0: Praise the Lord. This side, hey, this one didn't. Praise the Lord. There you go. You may be seated. Thank you. I know a lot of you came out tonight. Uh, Probably you never come out on Sundays, but today you decided to come up here to get abused by me. (laughs) Amen? Amen. It's a great honor to be here with you. Uh, Like the pastor said, I've been ministering now for... Forty-five years. This thing just went out on me. There we go. For 45 years, now in April the 18th, I'll celebrate 48 years of marriage. It's a long haul, isn't it? (laughs) And uh, we thank God we have two daughters. I have a daughter that's 40, and I have another daughter that's 44. And I have my youngest daughter, the one that's married has uh, two children, uh, Gabriel, who's 13, and uh, Daniel, who's 20. And the two of them are two Yankees. I mean, big old dudes. I can't get my hands around them all the time. I just, come here, boy. Uh, and they all love and serve the Lord. Thank God for that. It's cost us. It doesn't come cheap. It doesn't come easy. You got to stay on top of these kids. And uh, remember, it's your responsibility as a parent to train the child in the way that he should go. Not the way that he wants to go. In the way that he should go. And when we say about training him, that doesn't mean that you train him only in the things of the Lord. It means you send him to school. When he tells you you don't want to go to school, you slap him on the side of the head. You say, you're going to school. And, and instruct him in the things of God. You know, I tell people, don't bring your kids to church. Don't bring your kids to church. That's the worst mistake you could do in your life as a parent. Is bringing your kids to church. Bring your kids to Christ. Sometimes we bring them to the church, they're in the back, and we don't know a squad of what they're doing back there. And we don't hold them accountable. What did you learn? Tell me what you learned. I'm going to check with you tomorrow when you get out of there. I'm going to see what you learned. And all they know is that they had cookies and Kool Aid. That was it. And then when they're 8, 6, 13, 14, 15 years of age, they don't want to go to church. I was telling the pastor, a lady that came to me in Calvary Church, telling me, Pastor, pray for me, my boy, my boy. I said, what's wrong? He's got to go before the judge tomorrow. I said, what's wrong? He says, the judge, they want to give him between 20 and 25 years in jail. I said, what did he do? He didn't do anything. He's a good boy. I brought him to church. I said, yeah, that, that was your mistake. You brought him to church, but you never brought him to Christ. Teach your kids the ways of the Lord. Let them know the miracles that God has done in your life. Don't tell them about all the heartaches that you went through when you was in the world and the stupid things that we did. But tell them how God bailed you out so they know the works of God in their lives. And they don't miss out on it. With Joshua, there was a whole generation that, that missed. Nobody told them about the miracles that God had done in the desert, how God had provided for them, how God had protected them. And a whole generation was lost. You must tell your kids. Sit him down. Hold them accountable. And your life will change. It's better to sacrifice now than have to sit down later on and cry because your kid is in jail. He died or something happened. And now the world caves in on you. And then the question that comes in your head is, where was God? Why God? God is exactly in the same place where you left him. That's why you got to hang on to the Lord. He is your refuge. He is your covering. Plead the blood of Christ over your children and yourself and the household. And and you'll see that God will help you. Tonight I want to talk to you. Pastor had told me that most of you guys here tonight are leaders and and, uh, regular church members. But I want to talk to you about how to improve your serve in the church. This is a church that God is bringing to another level. You folks here have something that many churches don't have Like I said this morning, it is a pastor that studies the word of God and brings you good meals every time he steps up here. And the the preachers that he brings are people that will feed you. But you need to serve. You need to get out there and bring the people. You need to go and show the love of God. It is not the pastor's job to bring people to church. That's your job. The Bible says that sheep beget sheep. The pastor, he feeds the sheep. He'll train you and help you. So I want to help you this evening in in showing you how you can do it. Now, listen to what I'm going to tell you. You don't need credentials of a a licensed or ordained minister. You're all in the ministry. Every one of us has a ministry. Different areas, different talents, different abilities, but we're all called to minister. Sometimes we think we need that little piece of card. I know a lot of guys that have that card that are no ministers. (laughs) They're nothing. All they have is a card saying they're pastors. You get all these guys running around calling themselves pastors and they don't pastor a church. If you don't pastor a church, you're not a pastor, you're a minister. So I'm going to share some stuff with you to help you with this. And I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 45. Mark 10, verse 45. How to improve your serve. It says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is our example about serving. He says, I came to serve. I didn't come to be served. I didn't come to be in the front of the line. I came to serve. This is authentic servanthood. Jesus came to serve and to give, not to be served, not to grab the spotlight, not to make a name for himself, and not to get attention or power. A lot of people, they get into the ministry and you give them a piece of paper that says that they're a Christian worker or a licensed or a minister, and all of a sudden they are, uh, you know, they're the last Coca Cola in the desert. Without me, you ain't going to heaven. I've got to be up there with the pastor in the pulpit. No. The guy that's out there directing traffic and, and parking everybody in place is just as important as me here casting out devils. Because God doesn't look at what you do, He looks at your serving. The person that vacuumed this church and got it ready for us for this morning and for tonight, he's just as important as us preaching tonight. If somebody didn't put those chairs out, we'd be sitting on the floor. So it's important. The musicians are important. You are important. You came. The camera guys, everybody is important, and everyone has a ministry. There were many authority figures in the days of Jesus on earth, and, and we have them too. Our attitude must be always, Lord, show me, Lord, teach me, and Lord, help me to serve and to give. You will become a servant like Christ when you have that attitude to serve. Maybe your job is just to cook and bring somebody a a, a meal that is hungry, that doesn't have money to, uh, to buy food, and God uses you to bring. That's a ministry. Jesus said, because you came to me when I was hungry, you served me. When you serve your, your, your brother your sister who's in the need, you're serving the Lord directly. You might say, I cannot be a servant. You gotta be kidding me. Okay, now I'm not talking about a servant like Kunta Quinta in the, in the movie Roots that we saw. Or a slave, an immigrant. Or a slave at the farmland at the harvest time. I'm not talking about that kind of slave. Although crowded, we are lonely. Distant, pushed together, but uninvolved. You have people that come to church and they can be in the midst of 500 people and they feel lonely. There are people out there that have problems and they don't know who to turn to. And we have the power of God. We have the power of his blood, the power of his word. We have his guarantee that he will never leave us or forsake us. And we never go to that person and share the Lord that we serve. It's like the elevator with rules. You walk into an elevator and the rules are... No talking, no smiling. Have you ever gotten into an elevator you go? Sometimes we come to church and we think we're in an elevator. Me, I'm always goofing around, so I walk into an elevator and I'll be standing in the back and I go, And go and everybody starts looking. I start looking too. Share the joy of Christ with somebody else. Share your smile. Good morning. Good afternoon. I mean, when I left New York, <laughs> you know, New York is a rat race. It's, oh, go, 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 go. And when I went to, the, to Alabama, of all places, the Lord takes me to Alabama. You know, God's got a sense of humor. And I go in there, people are very friendly there. And, and I'm standing at the post office to buy some postage. And the guy back in front of me looks back and says, oh, how you doing, sir? None of your business how I'm doing, dude. I'm from New York. And I had to learn in church. I went to church. And the man, how you doing, brother? And hugged me. What's wrong with this guy? Get out of here, man. He's hugging me. Bunch of, yeah, that's exactly what I said. Learn to share the love of God. Learn to hug the person. Sometimes that hug can be the biggest ministry that you can give to that person without saying a word, without saying, touch, love you, man. Minister, give it. You got it, now give it to somebody else. Elevator, no eye contact. No talking without written permission or consent from the management. What we're doing is we're losing touch one with the other. We think we're in the elevator. We come to church 10 years and you sit next to the same person for the last 10 years and you don't even know their first name. All you know is, hi, brother, hi, sister, and I'm out of here. Now, let me tell you, when in doubt, sister and brother is their name. And do not ask about the kids because you don't know if they have kids or not. <laughs> it happened to me in, in, uh, in uh, Panama. We went to this... Uh, Lady invited us to go eat to her home. I mean, talking about million-dollar homes and all kind of craziness, money like you have no idea. And the, the, we were walking around, and I saw the, the, the man of the house. We were looking around the house. He has this big cage with parrots and animals, all craziness. And uh, and he was with a little boy. And the, the old man, yeah, was, he was up there in his age. And uh, I says, isn't it great to have grandkids? He says, yeah, but this is my son. I said, oop. So I learned that from now on, every time I see someone, nice little boy, nice little girl. You don't put a title on it. They keep your mouth shut, you don't stay out of trouble. We become impersonal. We see somebody hurting and we walk by, tap them on the shoulder, hey, I love you, praying for you. Don't get into their business. That's none of your business. Just tell them you love them. Tell them you're praying for them. You know, today they're in trouble and tomorrow it could be you. You know, and, and people say, well, you know, I got all these people that say they love me. Like when I was going through my stuff back in Brooklyn, I, I used to get ticked at the church. Because oh, where are all these people that said they love me? Where are all these people that said that they pray- nobody came around? Nobody called me? All oh, I need is somebody to just say, hey, John, we're praying for you. Hey, John. We got you in our prayers. Learn to be a servant. Learn how to minister. Romans 8, 28 and 29 says, And we know that in all things God works for good together to those that love him who have been called according to his purpose. For those who forsook, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now let me show you something because we say we say you know, you know uh, all things work together for them that love the Lord and His purposes. But that doesn't apply to everybody in the church. That doesn't apply to all of us. It only applies to a few. The Bible says that all things work together for those. So the question you have to ask is, am I one of those? Am I one of those? Well, it says all things work together for those that love God and His purpose. There's a lot of people in church that love God But they don't love God's purpose in their lives. I'm going to go to church. I'm not going to teach. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to go to church, do my thing, and get out of there. You love God, but you, you know, we say in church work that uh, Sunday morning, everybody that loves the church comes Sunday morning. But in the evenings, only the people that love the pastor are the ones that are here. (laughs) And Wednesday, the ones that really, really, really love the pastor come on Wednesday. So you got to get into, you got to get into that stream that not only do you love God, but you love God's purpose for your life. We need to stop and consider that God is committed to one major objective in our life, and that is to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus. If the father walked in here today and looked around, he would have a hard time looking for Jesus. Why? Because we will all look like Jesus. He wants you to look like him, to act like him, to be like him. That doesn't mean that you're God. It means that you have his image of God in you. What does the Father want to develop in us? The answer is in Mark ten forty-five. for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He wants you to be a servant. A servant. Whatever it is. Maybe he's just opening the door for somebody to get into the car. Whatever it is, you serve. Matthew 20, uh, 20 and verse 20 and 21. Zebedee's wife made a request to, about her two sons to the Jesus. This is a mama talking about her two little boys. And he says, what do you want? She says, when I when you come into your kingdom, I want the, my two boys, one to sit on the right hand and one to sit on the left side. She says, woman, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not for me to give. That's my father's. You know, we all want a position. We all, we all want to be the head musician. Well, you can be the head. We already got one there because he's paid the price. Let me tell you, these, these musicians up here all, anointed, incredible. That kid in the drum, who's that drummer? Man, that guy is crazy, dude. I had to get in an alley with that guy in two drumsticks. <laughs> Beat you. <laughs> Giving him everything he's got. Ministering to the Lord. You might say, well, he's only playing the drums. No, he's ministering to the Lord. He's keeping us in the beat. See, we all need each other. We need him. He needs us. And it's great. It's great. The boy in the back with the boom, 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 boom. Everybody, all the girls, the guys, your brother, pastor, incredible. Not not only does he have talent, he's anointed. He's anointed. He's the one that grabs us by the hand and walks us into the throne room. So that when you get there and the pastor comes to preach or whoever's going to preach, the word of God will fall in the good ground of your heart. Take root and do season, produce a harvest. See, we all need each other. The girls that are singing up here. That's why the enemy attacks so much the musicians. Because he knows. You see, first of all, he's jealous because that used to be his job. So he's ticked off that he sees simple people, good people, doing what he was supposed to do, the hot shot. But because he got full of pride... He fell, and now he comes against the musicians. That's why, church, you must constantly be praying for your musicians. The enemy always attacks them. You know, musicians are strange people, all of them, even the one that's anointed. (laughs) Yeah, there's no exception. They're very sentimental. They get ticked off real quick. Because they're artists, they're creators. You get these guys that come to church. Pastor, can I play the drum? Sure. Can I play the guitar? Sure, go get up there. And then because you don't let them play one service. I'm going to go to another church that appreciates my talent. We appreciate your talent, buddy. We just don't appreciate your attitude. I need to get you in a box with the drummer so that he can straighten out your attitude. (laughs) Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking for. This is my father's throne. I'm not, I'm not authorized to give away what belongs to my father. But yet in the background, you can hear the disciples all bellyaching and complaining. They want to give that spot to them, and, uh, and that's the spot that I wanted. The ten of them became indignant, bellyaching. It's like when Peter's in the boat. And Peter says, uh, who there? Who there? Who's that on the water? It's me, Jesus. If it's you, Jesus, cause me to walk on the water. And this yo-yo, you know, I want to find out. In what movie or what book did he see somebody walk on the water? That <laughs> he turns around. Okay, here I go, buddy. And he phew, out of the boat and he walks out. Starts to walk on the water. Meanwhile, those ten other idiots in the back are gossiping and belly aching and complaining. There's Peter, the show-off, always opening his mouth, always matiching everything. Understood that word, right? But that's what God is looking for. People that will dare to move on his command and serve. And in the whole Bible, the only two people that walked on the water was Jesus and Peter. And those stayed in the back belly aching and complaining. Don't complain when you see God put a girl up here or a guy up here to do something, to do a part. God is doing a work in their lives. And Peter, even though he denied the Lord, and the Lord said, hey, Peter, I got it covered. Don't worry about it, Bubba. And and, and Peter became to be a strong man in the Bible. And Jesus calls his disciples to the side and tells them, the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them. The high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, you want to become great? Become a servant. In Spanish we say, el que no sirve. No sirve. If you don't serve, you're no good. You got to serve. I go to many churches. I mean, all over the world. Uh, now, in the first week of April, I'm going to Singapore. I've been there, I don't know, three or four times already. Africa, India, Ghana, you name it, I've been there. And I go, and right away, Pastor, let me take your Bible. <laughs> I'm not crippled. I carry my own Bible, dude. <laughs> you know, they want to serve you. That's fine. Jake's been after me to try to carry my Bible. I don't know how long, <laughs> and that's great and dandy. But I'm to serve. I was in a, in a church in Panama, seventeen thousand people, and they invited me to be the guest speaker for their Bible school graduation. That graduation was always done by an executive leader of the assemblies of God that they used to bring in there. That year, the pastor said, "I'm going to do it different." I'm gonna get something, and they got me. So I'm, you know, I'm the little guy on the, <laughs> the platforms. So I woke up and I see all these dict- officials, all oh, real saying anyway. I got up, did my thing, God blessed, And then I sat down and there was like 200 students that were gonna graduate and they had to go up like seven, eight steps to get to the platform and then go around, come back and then go back down again. And you know, the ladies, they, they had their, their capping gown and you know, girls know how to walk with a long dress, but guys—I mean, I don't know what you do at night—but you're not supposed. to. <laughs> <laughs> guys have a problem with that; they get caught on the heel, and they're going to trip. And I'm looking at this—one of these ladies is going to trip on that platform and is going to hurt themselves. So I'm kind of looking around to see if one of the ushers, the elder, somebody will get up and serve. So now, remember, I'm the guest speaker. So I'm over there, am I going to go, am I going to go, am I going to go, Because go? I'm going to teach them a lesson. So I got up, where it's, it's right in the middle, and for 200 people that went up to get their degrees, I went up, and down, up. And the pastor's wife, Dalise, tells me, John, you have no, I was totally ashamed. How can it be, you were the guest speaker, and you went there, because it doesn't make a difference, I'm the guest speaker, what I do, I'm there to serve. Well, this was like 15 years ago till today. They have elders on both sides of the platform with white gloves, and anybody that goes up or anybody that comes down gets handled. You see, we taught them a lesson to serve. Doesn't make a difference. Whatever comes to your hand, do it. Do it. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, you must do the same. Now, number two, becoming a servant. Be unselfish. America is geared towards selfishness. The horrendous trinity, what I call the horrendous trinity. Me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. Get all you can, put it in a can, and then sit on the can. That's the attitude. We don't share, we don't give, we don't help. It's me, myself, and I. We get attitudes, and God is not pleased with that. You see the advertisements. You can have it your way. Do yourself a favor. You owe it to yourself. Be number one. You deserve a break today. It's all about you, 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 or me, me, and me. Cannot be like that. We're in the family of Christ. We are to serve. Wilbur Bees wrote with sarcasm, he says, I would like to buy $3 worth of God. Please, not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beets with an immigrant. I want ecstasy, I, 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 not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb but not the warmth of new birth. I want a pound of eternal in a brown paper bag. I like to buy $3 worth of God. We come to church and we want to buy, we think we're at the cafeteria. Let me have some of that. No, that doesn't look nasty. Give, give me some of this. Give me some, I don't like cabbage. I don't like broccoli. And we pick and choose. Like Los gringo say, you gotta take the whole enchilada. We have to take everything. From the front page to the back page, the whole Word of God. I got a friend of mine that says, I believe in even the maps of the Bible. You can't pick and choose. I mean, if they were to ask me to help with writing the Bible, there's a lot of pages I would have ripped out. Turn around and you say, if they slap you on one side of your head, turn over and let them slap you on the other. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> but God has a reason for that. And it's to teach us to submit. Philippians 2, verses 3 to 5 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same that was in Jesus Christ. He said, I came to serve. In our church, in Calvary Church, all the leaders and all the pastors, when we have a dinner... They are to serve themselves the last. They buy their own tickets for the meal. Just because he's a pastor, he doesn't get in there for free. That's why they pay him good salaries. You buy your own ticket. And even though you have a ticket, you eat last. That if a brother in the church, a member, is the last one to eat and there's not enough food they ate, you go to the restaurant. If your belly ache, we'll give you a lousy $5 back. <laughs> why? Because you're called to serve. You're called to serve. The guy, one of the most important people in the church is the guy in the parking lot. Did you know that? He's he's the most important person. Because when you drive onto the lot, I mean, I've been to churches, big churches with a lot of money and all kind of fancy stuff and uniforms in the parking lot. And they go, I haven't been in that church. What's wrong with that idiot? Think about it. But when you get onto the line, somebody says, it makes a big difference. That's the first impression people take when they get here. And then when they get to the door, the same thing. Good morning. Hello, how are you? Can I help you? You know, these are sinners. They don't know. They come in here, and they see us with our hands lifted up. They say, oh, my God, they're getting held up. These people are crazy. What's going on in there? And if the service is hot to go and everybody's speaking in tongues, so good night, we're in the nut house. Let's get out of here. Because they don't know. I been the churches where I see people, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a people watcher. Because that, that's my business. Minister to people. And I watch the, the the ushers and the elders. And, and, and I watch them. somebody, uh, what would you like to say? i like to sit back here. And they grab the person by the arm. And they grab him and they drag him all the way to the front. And that person is, they don't want to sit up. They want to sit in the back. Why are you bringing? You know what happens when the service is over? That person leaves. They never, ever back. Come back to that church. You missed it. Be a servant. Someone asks you, "Where's the restroom?" Don't tell them. That's only a, that's a Hispanic thing. ¿Cómo está, Pepe? Well, can you tell me about Maria? I don't even want to go there. They don't say nothing, but they said everything. It's a Hispanic thing. Even at the cross, when they put Christ on the cross, the Bible, I think is Psalm, Psalm 18 or 19, one of them there, it says, there were many people there puckering up their lips, looking at Jesus on the cross going, there must have been Puerto Ricans or Latins or somebody was in there. They say we Hispanics are like the roaches. We're all over, every place. <laughs> Learn to serve. Romans 12, 13, uh, 12, verses 10 to 13 says, Be devoted one to another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in seal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, prayerful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. Maybe you can't go, but you can give somebody $5 and say, here, go buy some groceries or whatever it is that they need to help. Pastor, is there anybody in the church that needs help? Here. You might not be able to go, but you can go. You you, you can't go. You can give money so the pastor can go. One of the elders. Somebody can go. 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Galatians 5:13 You my brethren were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge in sinful nature rather serve one another in love Just because we're free doesn't mean we could do whatever we feel like it Learn to serve one another I was in the hotel this afternoon and my wife calls She cannot uh she has the deaf impairment in her ears She has a, they gave her a cochlear implant inside her brain. They they actually found a brain. (laughs) It cost $114,000, a dumb thing. It still don't work. But anyway, they put another aparato uh, aqui, earpiece, $2,400. So when I talk to her, I have to talk to her loud and I have to look at her straight because she doesn't hear. And the people in the church over there says, Pastor Delgado, why are you so mean to Sister Iris? I said, why are you saying that? She, you're always yelling at her. She's deaf. I gotta talk loud so she hears me. <laughs> so my daughter is sitting, is babysitting her. And uh he dad, mommy's here. She wants to know how you're doing. I said, We're doing great. We had great services. Uh, the beauty of the whole thing was this morning we had a tremendous crop of people that came to the Lord, and at the at the men's men, I don't know how many came to the Lord. Do you have a record of that? About 30. And this morning. Another 10, 12, who knows how many. That's, that's it. Even if I break my back preaching and sweating, that was worth it. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. I served them, you brought them, I served them, they got Jesus. See, we all need each other. A servant must, be, must give in different ways. Uh, just relax, we're not talking about money. <laughs> you must give anonymous without anyone knowing, seeing, or hearing about it. Sometimes it's time that you have to take a dollar bill and go over there and just go, here, brother, sister, here. Go. Don't let nobody know about it. You should give generously. Give in abundance, overflowing. Should drip with sacrificial generosity. Giving your time, your energy, your care, your compassion, even our belongings on occasions. You know... (laughs) When I got married, I was petite. Watch it. And now I'm appetite. <laughs> and I had a brother in the church that, that I did, a, and I think I mentioned this to you the last time I was here. I did a 30-minute counseling session with his daughter who was going to get married. But she was coming at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and he says, Somebody, I need to, he came to the church. He said, I need to talk to a pastor. And then the little gringos there, they, you know, <laughs> nobody wants to take care of the guy. So they call me Pastor Delgado. We have a brother here. He, all right, bring him in. Come on. So I sat him down. What's the problem? He says, my daughter comes in at 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. I have a heart problem. I'm going to die. I'm going to have a heart attack because I don't know where she's at. I need somebody to talk to her. I says, you bring her tomorrow at 5 o'clock. I'll be here. But listen. Uh, five o'clock American time. Between you and I, I said he's not going to make it. Los <laughs> we're always late to everything. I don't understand that. But the next day he was there with his daughter. So I told the father, let, "Let me have five minutes for her alone." I says, uh, "Your dad tells me you get married in three months." He says, "Yes, sir." I says, "Then who's going to bring you to the altar?" My dad. I said, no, no, he's dead. He said, what the bleep, bleep, bleep are you talking about? It's <laughs> <These> Christianettes. <laughs> I mean, don't surprise me. I've heard it all, but anyway. I said, yeah, because you're coming in at 3 o'clock in the morning, your dad had a heart attack, and now you're going to have to get your brother or cousin or somebody to bring you, and you will be miserable the rest of your life because you're going to take the blame that you caused your daddy's dead because you came in late. Are you crazy? She goes, oh my God, I had never thought of that, blah, 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 blah. I said, listen, you only got three months. Get home by 12, 1 o'clock. Once you get married, you can stay out till 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning, and your dad is not going to worry about it because you're with your husband. Yes, I'll do that. What I didn't tell her was that once you get married, you don't go nowhere. <laughs> 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 well, I went in and... She followed instructions. They were happy. They asked me to perform the marriage ceremony. I went and did the whole thing for them. And he came to me and he says, Pastor, can I I change your name? Can I call you something different? Yeah, they call me all kind of stuff. They call me. (laughs) It's all right. He says, can I call you my son? I said, sure, no problem. It's okay. Well, he says, listen, I don't want you ever to buy another tie. I'm going to give you all the ties that you're going to need. So I said, yeah, no problem, brother. You know, people in the church, pastor, they tell you they're going to do then They don't do squat. <laughs> they don't do nothing. So I just let it go. I, the church pays me a good salary. I don't need nothing. I'm good. So the next Sunday, I walk into my position. I sat right here in this seat here where I can control everything that was going on in the platform. Uh, as one of my responsibilities. And uh, when I look at the side of my seat, I see two little boxes, two tie boxes. Each box had a tie. Johnny Versace. And Emiglio signetized $165 each tie. And a $35 hanky to match. And I go, oh my God, this guy's crazy. So I go, Brother Pompa, come here. I says, man, this costs a lot of money. You don't have to do that. The church pays me a good salary. You don't have to do that. What well, we do, we do it as unto the Lord. He says, no, 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 no. I want to bless you. Okay, thank you. Hmm. Well, to make a long story short, two or three Sundays later, two more ties. Then my birthday came up. He says, when you get out of church, I want you to go to the car. I got something for you. And I went to the car. And he pulled out a suit. I go, Brother Pompa, yeah, here's the suit. And I got you a little tie to match, in the hanky. So I took it home, took it out. Honey, look what, they, look what Brother Pompa gave me. And I opened it up. And, you know, very expensive suits. You know, you, you, you guys that buy suits, usually your, your, your price on the suit is right here side of the sleeve, and the real expensive suits, the price is on the bottom of the lapel up here, That's because they want to grab you, <laughs> and when I opened the thing, and I saw the ticket there, the suit alone was $2,400, I said, I don't believe this, so I said, I got to talk to this brother, you know, because I came from Brooklyn, and I used to buy a lot of stuff that fell off the truck, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> I said, I got to make sure this guy is stealing this somewhere, <laughs> Yeah, so, I need the FBI to come, sir. Take that suit off. It don't belong to you. It's stolen. It's hot. <laughs> well, I, I said to him, Brother Pompa, listen, listen, we, we need to sit down. We need to talk. Because you just can't go buy me a $2,400 suit and $154 tie. No, you, you got to tell me. Listen, I need to know. Sit down. How, how do you get this stuff? How, how do you afford this? Because I knew he made good money, but not enough to, to buy a suit like that. He says, Brother, here's the deal. I am the, 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 the director of the men's department at Needless Markup, <laughs> at Neiman Marcus. And when the companies put their material in there, their suits, they give me either cash or material suits for doing the most sales. And because I've been there 30 years, I have the best customers. He said, I got customers that come here and spend 30, $40,000 worth in suits. Some of them, they just call me, and they say, bring it to me, and he delivers them. So I win all the contests. So what I do is, I take a suit for myself, one for you, and one for the pastor. Good deal. Now we got that thing settled. Well, that brother dressed me up for four years on the service of a 30-minute counseling session to his daughter. You see, you never know who you're going to give a counseling session, who you're going to serve, that today they may be broke and one day God blesses them. They come around and says, I remember what you did for me. Here, let me bless you. One day he brought me a suit for for Christmas, a black sport coat. Black, beautiful. Camel and silk and I don't know what else. And when I got home, I looked at the thing. It was $5,200 for a sport coat. I called him, hey, Pampa, that suit, that camel, was it bilingual or what? Because that suit. (laughs) So anyway, back to the petite. (laughs) You know, those suits after two or three years, I started becoming, not fat, but a big part of the body of Christ. <laughs> and I have all these suits up there. I said, what am I going to do with this? I'm not going to throw them away. Those are good suits. My wife said, save them because you're going to lose weight. I said, yeah, baby. <laughs> the devil is a liar. <laughs> Wishful thinking, Bobby. <laughs> so I said, I know what I'm going to do. So I started sewing them into pastors. And I would go to Mexico and i bring a, a bag of, full of suits and i put it on that suit. I says, if that pastor only knew that his suit worth, is worth more than all this church and everything he's got here. <laughs> and what happened was people started giving me clothes and giving me money. When you sow, listen, it's a promise from God. When you sow, you will reap. God fulfills his promise all the time. You got to be in an attitude of servanthood. Not think that you're the greatest dog in town. No. Because the Bible says that God goes out of his way to resist the proud. You know what that means? That if you're walking down the sidewalk and God sees you, he'll go over to your sidewalk and he'll put a hold on you. He'll resist you. He'll hold you back from what? From prospering, from flourishing, from the blessing of God. He resists you. He resists the proud. But he gives power to the humble. You serve. You serve. I helped a lady with a divorce. Uh, she was married to the police department captain. The guy was a real jerk. And didn't want to give her the divorce. And she told me what he was doing with women and pornography and whatnot. So I said, just send him a letter and tell him that if he doesn't give you the divorce, you're gonna go put these pictures and you're gonna hit it to the newspaper. He got. She got the divorce right away. <laughs> and ten years later. Ten years later, I went to Peru to minister, and the pastor said, I'm going to pay you your ticket, your hotel, and I'm going to give you an offer. I said, no problem. So I went there, I ministered, I don't know, like 10, 12 times that week. I mean, they squeeze you when you go to these countries. And when I got on the plane, he gave me the envelope. And because I fly so much, I'm executive planner. With American Airlines, they automatically put me up in first class, regardless of how much I bought the ticket for. I said, let me see how much his brother gave me. And I opened the envelope. He gave me $200. The ticket was $900. And the hotel, he didn't have a credit card, so I put it on my card. He says, when I leave, you pay them in cash. Okay, great. He never paid. I had to pay. I said, I can't believe this Jojo." yo So I got home, and I told my wife, honey, look. Look what they did. No problem. She said, don't sweat it. You remember sister so-and-so? Yeah. Well, 10 years ago, you helped her with her divorce. And, 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 and she says that she didn't have a dime to give you to bless you for what you did for her. She says she's been working and making a lot of money and that the Lord spoke to her last night and said, you need to take this money to John Delgado today. And she came last night and she brought this envelope. My wife gives me the envelope. I open it up. It was like $2,700 in the the, the cover, the the offering, the the ticket, and everything was already taken care of by God. God will cover you when you serve. God will cover your back. He's got your back. Don't be afraid to serve. It's better that you make a mistake serving than not serve in order not to make a mistake because God will cash your check. Even if it's bad, he'll cash it for you. You know, you say, well, I felt led the Lord to give this brother something or that sister and maybe he was wrong, but God will cover you because he knows your heart. You wanted to do it to minister. So you, give, you must give generously and you must give voluntarily. Second Corinthians 9.7 Each man should give what he has decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Give it with joy. Give it with joy. When you come up here to give your offering, don't come up here and throw the offering in the bucket. The Bible says that he that sows. It doesn't say he that throws. Think about it. So what am I, what am I saying? I'm saying that when you're going to go give your offering, whether it be a $1, dollar, $100, whatever it is, you take it and you say, Father, these are my tithes. I return to you. Nobody pays tithes. You don't pay tithes. You pay what you owe. The tithes, you don't know. You're returning back to God what belongs to him. Okay, you get that clear. Then you're offering above your tithing. Put a name on it. Give it a purpose. Call it a seed. Father, I'm sowing this dollar, $5, whatever you're giving, for the salvation of my daughter, my son, for my healing, for my marriage. Father, you know I need a new car, a new house, whatever. Give it a name and then sow it. Don't throw it. And you'll see what happens. But the problem with us is that we go, we go, and we go, we we throw it. And then I know you don't think that way, but you say, man, you know how many offerings I've given? You know how much tithing I've given? And it seems like God doesn't give me a nickel back. What's going on? Because you're throwing. You're not putting a purpose to it. Put a purpose to it. Give generally, but give it a, a name. A servant must give personally. Do not give to, don't give to our arm's length, but personal and involvement. You know, we want to do, go, go, no, no, no. They've collected offerings for me in the church. We want to bless the pastor. We want to give, give him an offering. And I'll get up and I'll put an offering in my offering. Because it has nothing to do that it's mine. I'm giving unto the Lord. Because I have a commitment before the Lord that everywhere they collect an offering, I'm going to be a part of that. Because I know that the Jew that I serve is going to pay me back more abundantly. So I sow every chance I get. Stop thinking, well, I gave this morning in the service. Well, you're here tonight. Give again. Yeah. Authentic servanthood calls for people with passion, giving whatever without recognition. Without reservation, without reluctances, reluctancy, without restriction. And when you go like that, you're going to see the power of God move in your life. It's like dieting. This is a painful word, dieting. My wife wanted to get me on a diet. She said, John, how about if we start a diet on Monday? And I always agree, yes, ma'am, let's do it. Because she starts to diet every Monday. <laughs> she never keeps it up. But yes, ma'am, I don't, you know, you don't fight city hall, guys. Listen, listen. And she says, I'm going to start doing some letters and some, I said, okay. So we went through letters all, and I'm already with these letter stuff. I mean, you know, the problem with me is that I don't have a rabbit anointing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, uh, and Friday I run out of the bathroom. I'm, you know, I'm always joking in my house. I run out. Iris! <laughs> what? Oh, my God, you don't know what's happening. I don't want no more letters. Stop it. What's going on? I said, look at my face. I'm becoming a rabbit. So <laughs> 30 words dying. We all love it. This year, my resolution is to lose 10 pounds. Go to the amusement center where they have those curved mirrors so you can look yourself. <laughs> That's the only way you're going to lose it. And it becomes a dirty word, especially when we we add exercise and jogging. You know, my wife, we got married. My wife, in 48 years of marriage, she's only gained plus or minus 10 pounds. She plays those 10 pounds. I said, Iris, you don't have to lose. You look good, man. You look hot. Cut it out. But she needs to buy an outfit to go jogging. (laughs) Yeah, right. Tennis shoes. You know, $150 tennis shoes. Hundred dollars jogging suit. She tells me, John, why don't we join the club, the health club? No, no, I stay healthy out of there. I don't want to go in there. Don't mess with me. I do enough jogging around the world. I don't need to go there to jog. Leave me alone. The Bible says to be a cheerful giver. Put purpose in what you do. A servant. With this, I'm shutting it down. A servant is a forgiver. Listen, folks, the Bible says that if I don't forgive Pastor Isaac's offenses, God does not forgive me mine. That means that my salvation is in his hands. Until I don't forgive him, God doesn't forgive me. And I love your pastor. He's a great friend. I ain't going to hell for him. You can forget it. <laughs> so what do I do? I go to Pastor Isaac. Go to the person that offended you. But Pastor, you don't understand. I didn't do nothing. It was that. That's not your problem. Your problem is to go to that person. And I go to Brother Isaac. I said, Brother Isaac, I don't know if it was my fault, your fault, whose fault. The thing is that I want you to forgive me of everything that went down. Maybe he was the cause. But that has nothing to do with it. Bible tells me to go to him and ask forgiveness. So I said, brother, forgive me. He has two choices. He can forgive me, or he, he can take the load of unforgiveness and deal with it with God. But I clean my plate, I'm free to go. As a servant, you must learn to forgive. Why do I tell you that? Because when you serve in the church, there are, I know, I'm talking about the American church. In the American church, there are people that are nasty. They're rude. They're unkind, and you do something for them, and, they... <laughs> and they're going to offend you. They might step on one of your toes. So you, be, you have to be a servant that knows how to forgive. And you have to forgive because God will forgive you. Ephesians four thirty-one and 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate one to another. Forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. Forgiving your offenses, the disp- despisement, and everything that comes against you. You must forgive. And When you practice these things, you will find out that God starts to bless you. You go outside and somebody outside is going to bless you. Somebody outside is going to. One time I, I've I, always, my life. my wife and I were always serving and helping people. And we went out to dinner, and some guy jumped up and says, uh, uh, I said to the, the waitress, uh, let me have the check. He says, it's already been taken care of. I said, who took care of it? He said, that table over there. Folks, before the Lord, I'm talking to you, the Holy Spirit, my witness, for seven weeks, for seven weeks, it, dis- it didn't make a difference if I was just buying a bagel and a cup of coffee or a dinner or a lunch. If I was with my wife, somebody In that restaurant, we'll pick up my tickets for seven weeks. I got everything paid. Somebody would step up to the place. I took care of it. I took care of people that I didn't even know. There comes a time that after you've sown, God will give you the harvest. And I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We're all alike. I just happen to have a a different position in the body of Christ. A certain responsibility. But that doesn't mean that I'm better than you. God doesn't make the difference between you and me. Whoever serves, he blesses. He blesses. So learn to serve that uncle that you despise. (laughs) That that, that sister of yours that's a pain in the rear end. Serve her. Learn to be a servant in your house. Start in your house. Your house is your ministry. Don't fight, don't argue. It takes two to tangle. Don't tangle with them. Leave them alone. You know, I got some nephews and my sister that between you and mine, if, if they never came to my house, I would say, praise the Lord and praise the ammunition. But they do come over every time they have hurts or problems. So I put on a smile. What do you need, Lillian? Well, I need you to pray for me. The doctor said, I said well, stop smoking. Stop messing up. I need you to lend me $50. No, I ain't, I don't let, I'm i not a bank. Here, I'll give you the $50, bucks, call it a day. Get it over with. Because if you lend it and they don't pay you back, you're always going to hold it against them. And for Lousy 10, 15, 20, it's not worth it. Just give it to them. Let them go. Release them. God will give it back to you. Become servants. This church is ready and ripe to go to the next level. Your leaders are young. The church is young. God wants to use you. But the pastor cannot do it alone. He needs you to stand behind him. Pastor, what do you want me to do? I'm a painter. What wall do you need me to paint? I'm an electrician. What do you want me to fix up? What's wrong? Pastor, you're going to have a conference. Do you have somebody to cook? I'll cook for you. Whatever it is, do it with all your might. And you will find out that what you do for the kingdom, the king will do for you. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for this time of fellowship. It's time to of sharing your word with my brothers and sisters. Father, I ask that your blessing be upon them. Give them strength, give them courage. Father, they have taken care of me, they have put me up in the hotel, they've taken me to eat, they've taken me back and forth. Father, your word this this your, your word says that he who gives a prophet, that's one who preaches, a glass of water is entitled to a prophet's reward. This church has given me more than a glass of water. And I'm asking, Father, that you will reward them, that you will prosper them, that you will make a way where there is no way, that you will open doors where there is no door, that you will close the doors that they should not go through. Close the door. Make it waterproof tight so they can't go. But open the doors that they need to go through. And if they come to a door that they should go through and they're afraid or not sure, Father, in your loving kindness, bump them and give them a little push through the door so that they'll know they're in your will. You're a good father and you want to please your children. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you very much.